Hi there, my name is Dean Wixon. I'm a 29-year-old football coach from the UK. I currently live and work in Melbourne, Australia. I've started the Sport, Mental Health and It's All COVID-19's Fault podcast to address the links between mental health and sport. As an active team sport player, coach and viewer, I, like many others, have felt the impacts of COVID-19 on sport. With a constant struggle with depression, being deprived of sport has proved to be another obstacle in life. Due to the ongoing situation with COVID-19, I decided it would be a great opportunity to sit down and hear from a wide range of athletes across different levels of competition about their experiences of sport, mental health and COVID-19. Hi guys and welcome back to Sport, Mental Health and It's All COVID-19's Fault. Well, I'm your host, Dean Wixon. Today I'm here with John O'San from Melbourne, Australia. John is an ambitious 22-year-old soccer coach who is currently a technical director at Brunswick City and a coach at professional football club Melbourne City. He also has experience as an analyst for Brunswick, which is a great start to a flourishing journey in his football career, I'm sure. John, how are you today? I'm very well. How are you, Dean? Not bad, mate, not bad. Just uh, getting by with the whole isolation, yeah. boredom yeah. scenario. This, this may be the last day we're actually out of that, let out of the house, so yeah. make the most of it anyway. It could yeah. be, yeah. You've made the most of a two-hour journey here yeah. and back, you know, so <laughs> we appreciate that. Yeah, no but uh, Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's all different, but thanks for coming on and, and coming to talk about your experiences and stuff so far. <laughs> Obviously, what we're here because this whole podcast is trying to bring awareness to sports people with mental health problems, and the whole COVID nineteen situation has made it worse. Yeah. It's amplified it. And have you have you found that in the last two weeks? Yeah, hundred percent. I have. Um, it's you don't realize. I know we had the conversation off off the record, but you don't realize um, how much your life really does revolve around football. When we're sad, like, aren't we? When <laughs> it's really sad. Yeah, I mean, I it was it was literally it was like three weeks ago, not even three weeks ago. I was I was um, you know preparing with the under twenties. Um, you know, we're getting ready for the season coming up. Um, I I was actually getting on a plane to to Europe and the UK to watch Liverpool. Um, and and I was actually going to go to the Crystal Palace game, so only it should have been only a couple of days ago. I should still be in the UK right now, but wow. um, yeah. So um, and and I was looking so forward to it, um, and then then obviously look, we on the flight there, we got told that we weren't going to be let in to Malta, um, so we would actually have to turn around. So we got to Qatar, wow. spent fifteen hours at Qatar Airport. Luckily, they had a hotel in airport. We couldn't even leave the the airport, right? So this is how bad it was. Came back. Oh. Um, but to get back on topic for football, I we, I realised oh well at least I'll get two three weeks off. But not having football and and not even not just having it practically, but not even be able to view Premier League games, A League games. It's crazy, isn't it? Yeah, it's nuts, and and it's really been difficult to find things to do that keep you somewhat motivated, other than you know the standard go for a run, do some weights. Yeah, the um, stuff we're allowed to do. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, you know, play PlayStation, watch Netflix. It, it, there's only so much of that you can do without. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like it's 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 interesting when the main part of your life just gets stripped away, and there's yeah. nothing you can do about yeah. it. And I think it's I know for a fact why I started this because I was driving me and my wife 
<laughs> crazy like was, yeah. she was just getting the getting the shit from me constantly but at least now I'm stuck in the study doing this like, <laughs> keep, keep you out of the uh, way exactly exactly <laughs> so like obviously we're, we're, when we're getting people on here we're trying to talk about the mental health side of it I mean I'm going to give you what what qualifies you to be sitting here with me absolutely to talk no- about mental health absolutely nothing to be honest but it's 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 really important um really important that that we open up a dialogue about it which is the most important thing um so if if we can if we can open that up especially um not not purely just um or solely just men but especially especially men um being people that are more prone to not talking about this stuff uh, we're not being open about that stuff and honest about that stuff Um, it's really important that we open up the dialogue about it and it's and it becomes a an everyday thing that people talk about similar to how um, the flu and the cold and um, and everything is just everyday speak now and everyone can talk about it. Um, we want to make sure that mental health is also a part of your everyday conversation as well as physical health. For sure, especially at the moment when a, few, a lot of the people I've spoken to in this podcast and, and myself and friends, we all know that sport is a massive release. So when that that is... I know we can still run and do individual sports, but when that team sport aspect especially is taken away from you it can be rather challenging mm. it, can, it can it's going to cause a lot of people problems I think yeah so the more we can get people like yourself coming on and talking the better so Jono um, obviously I've got I'm always quite open in the fact that I, I suffer with depression and that can sometimes be an influence on how I behave as a coach and, and, and as a person so obviously in, in the context of sport it's something I have to be aware of have you ever found yourself in a situation like that? Um, so yeah I'm, I mean look yes and no um, the funny thing is uh, look my what, what I I guess suffer with um, or not I mean look it comes and goes it's anxiety yep. um, I did get a lot of that it obviously stems from my childhood I can pinpoint the time um, of when I actually started getting anxiety, you know, a couple of tragic events in, in, in my earlier childhood, anyway, um, that understandably would be quite upsetting. I thought um, you were going to say when that wispy beard came. That, <laughs> no, that would no, cause me anxiety. No, that. that's that's just a symptom of it. I, 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 I'm, I'm isolating and um, starting to make you know little friends out of, out of soccer balls and stuff. And, um, yeah, so I have to grow the beard, otherwise, um, that well, the bar. I can't, even, I can't even go to the local bar because he's closed up. So, um, but yeah, look, I mean, as a as a kid, like, so my my brother passed away when I was I was about eight years old, and my parents at the same time going through a divorce. Uh, which look, yeah, that, right. that's that's not anyone's fault. Like it was too obviously. It's people, a shitstorm. Yeah, I mean, look, <laughs> I mean, my parents were you know at the time splitting up and. Um, as which is you know that that's just just what happens sometimes yeah. and, and no, obviously same for me. Yeah. yeah look and and obviously tragedy struck at the same time which which actually look ironically um, and it's kind of bad to say but actually helped our family get closer together because they yeah. weren't they weren't at the time um, but look obviously understandably it took a toll on me uh, and a lot of other people in and around his life but um, I remember then I started to get symptoms of anxiety and I was um, I was struggling a lot. When I was younger, um, I went to a, a, few, a few sessions of um, of, of therapy, obviously yeah. psychologists, and um, just obviously helped me through that, um, which was good. I, I remember at the time thinking how stupid it was and pointless, but now that I look <laughs> back at it, 
I go, so. that, was, that works. It really works. Um, yeah. and, and some people it doesn't. Um, but the, I think the most important thing is, I guess, how, how you, you deal with it and your coping yeah. mechanism. And hopefully being, it being a healthy coping, coping mechanism. You see, um, my mum sent me to do boxing. Yeah, well, wow. big, big, fat, angry lad. Go boxing. <laughs> well, like, if, if it helps you though, if it helps you though, then it could be anything. It could be gardening. Yeah. Uh, um, could be you know um, pottery or whatever, whatever else. Hey, I don't know. I'm not yeah, exactly right. Um, but yeah, look, I mean, it does. It it did affect how I interacted with people. Um, I wasn't. I never really had any, and I, I still don't have any public anxiety attacks. It's I, yeah. funnily enough, it's generally when I'm alone. Um, so I'll be alone and I'll be alone with my thoughts and start having That's dangerous though. yeah yeah and you start having yeah. you start having these anxiety attacks because you're overthinking things um, most of most of what I what I suffered anxieties from was from my health so being a hypochondriac um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Funny enough, and it's, it's really scary to think about because because you, you start you know you're watching a show for example um, about you know, medical procedures, and you think, oh, this is great, I, like, I enjoy it. But then all of a sudden, you start thinking about, oh, am I going to die? Like, this guy has this condition, and this guy My has leg's this been condition. hurting a bit. Yeah, though. yeah. So then you start having, you start having, you know, these imminent thoughts about, oh, what happens if I die? Because I, I think, look, and it's probably linked to the fact that my brother died so young, um, that, that I thought it's yeah. always a possibility. And that's, that's understandable. Yeah, correct. Um, so, look, it, it affected some ways, because if I did have an anxiety attack or was overthinking something, it probably did affect the way that I interacted with people in the sense that I I had to either consciously go, okay, you need to settle down because you know you're going through this right now yeah. and you need to adjust very quickly or I wouldn't notice and I maybe treated someone a little bit differently than my personality, my standard personality would otherwise yeah. do. Well, because I'd imagine anxiety would make you... It's fairly similar to depression. My wife would be the first to admit that. So you, I do this. It's very snappy. Mm. So like, uh, John, do you want a cup of tea? Nah, 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 nah. like yeah, yeah. that's how I imagine it would be because that's that's how it is for me. Yeah. Did you find? But but it's fortunate that you don't find that happens very often outside of. Being I mean, on your own. look, yeah, I say that, um, but but I mean, look, it's been such a part of me for a while. That it may it may may affect the way, I'm, and yeah. I, I say that openly because look, it, it doesn't affect me to the point where I'm an, un, you know, a really well, you're not that much of an asshole. Yeah, look, I'm yeah. A, I'm I'm an asshole, but I'm a funny <laughs> asshole, so I get away with it. But the but I, I, look, it doesn't affect me to the point where it become makes me an unbearable person. Um, but I'm sure there are things and moments in my life where I go, well, I need to fix that, which I which I've yeah. been pretty open about. Um, and part of my development as a coach and as a person, um, specifically. Was was to manage my emotions a bit better, uh, yep. so not let them over overload me and and turn me into someone that's, that I don't want to. Yeah, that's kind of something as as coaches we we go on these courses and we constantly say to our players ownership, yeah, own what you do, ownership. Kind of comes for our perspective as coaches, like we have to own that that's a not a flaw, but that's a part of us, and we need to know that look sometimes that part of us can mean this happens. Mm. If you don't own it. You ignore it and you think that's normal behaviour when you do it. But if you own it and go, look, this is what can happen. When it happens, rein yourself back in, and mm. and then that's that's good. That's that's good practice. Yeah. Um, so from what you're saying, obviously, you definitely use your coaching and sport in general as a, a bit of a release from that. One hundred percent. Yeah. So like I said, most of the time, um, I have these anxiety attacks. Um, well, I don't really have much anymore. Um, is probably because 
I um I actually uh, am around people when I when I have football. It's usually those anxiety attacks are are at home or or when I'm by myself. That like, draws people. Thing. That draws people to a team sport yeah. rather than say golf or tennis. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, don't get me wrong. I, I like golf. I'm shocking at it. I'm shocking at tennis <laughs> too, but I enjoy them. Um, but the yeah, look, like I said, I, most of the time it's when I'm by myself, alone with my thoughts, I'm overthinking, yeah. and I allow, I allow that to seep in. Um, and and that's what I my coping mechanism for that is I, I talk to someone, literally, not even just talk to them about what's going on in my head. But, hey, how's your day? Yep, good, good. Yeah, you want to chat? Da, da, da. And I literally just sit with them and talk, yeah. and it eases my mind because I'm thinking about something else. Yeah. Something a bit more rational. It's a diversion yeah. tactic almost. Yeah, 100%. And, and that's, that's the way I've learned to cope with it to the point where I don't really get that much, um, that many issues. Um, and look, it has led to times in my life where I've been pretty up and down. Yeah. Um, Will do. Yeah, and I remember this one time at work. Uh, it was probably the worst one I've ever had where, talking about obviously being a hypochondriac, I, I remember I sitting at work and I got to the point where I was thinking I actually genuinely convinced myself I was having a heart attack to the point to the point where How old were you? I no, I was nineteen. <laughs> yeah. So so I was or twenty. So, so fairly irrational. Yeah, hundred percent. Hundred percent. Like, you know, healthy healthy young guy and I I was um you know, I didn't not not like I, I was taking steroids or anything that pumped my heart, but um, uh, um but yeah, clearly clearly it was irrational and, and and thinking back at it, I'm thinking, what an idiot I am. Um, but but the point was that it happened. I'm like a really out there, like yeah. extrovert, uh, extroverted young guy um, that loves talking. And and all of a sudden, I was I was at this point where I was literally, and I'm lucky that my my boss at the time was actually a good friend of mine or my best yeah. friend's mum. I was I was genuinely like crying because I thought I was gonna die. Yeah, and I was I was like, this is terrible. And it got and it got to the point where. I'm, at that point, it was obviously a difficult part. Um, when I was in limbo about, finally enough football, um, and and it was probably it was probably a correlation of things um, that were going on in my life. But it was it was it was funny. It was just funny how it how it all panned out. Um, the I I did end up, um, you know, in that situation, and and um, and I guess I had to learn how to cope with that. Yeah. Um, and and deal with that even at a later part of my life. So, Jono, you, you spoke about um, sort of like the limbo that you found yourself in in football and, and sort of it not being the most stable thing at one point. Do you want to go into a bit more like how did, what did that do for your mental health, your, the way you felt? Yeah, so look, I guess I'll tell you the story about it. Um, so I'll put it in a bit of context. But so, yeah, like obviously, like, like a lot of us, started, you know, watching... You know, football and yeah. um, and playing when I was nine years old. So playing from a young age and um, and you know playing all the way through. I, I was a decent player. I wasn't fantastic or or anything you know special. But got to a point where when I, I peaked when I was about fourteen or fifteen, right? So got to the point where I was I was quite good. We got our, our team was fantastic. Went overseas to to China to play a you know worldwide tournament that was yeah. quite prestigious against Manchester United into Milan. Santos, pretty pretty good opposition, um, and before before doing that, um, the week that I was meant to leave, I actually broke my collarbone, uh, so I couldn't go. Now that yeah. that at the time, I remember going, that's not a big deal. Like, I was pretty okay about it. I accepted yeah. it, and uh, happened. Um, and then after that, you know, I finished off the season. I couldn't play a game for the rest of the season, um, and going back into it, I I 
I realised how much of an effect that had on me. Um, maybe later, later in yeah. life. Um, but you know that that wasn't the best season for me because it, it ruined a lot of what I worked up to. Because well, um, that that tournament would have been the pinnacle of that year for you. The pinnacle of, of everything so far. Probably the pinnacle of my career. If yeah. anything, like that would have been that would have been you know something that I would have never forgotten. I still I still want still experiences yeah. there that I had that I will never probably um, never forget. Yeah. Um, but but at the same time playing and obviously being there is two very different things right um, so Definitely. so yeah it got to the point where the, the next season going through pre-season I, I was a bit complacent um, I, I wasn't motivated and I lost it and don't get me wrong I'm not going to blame that on the spiral and, or anything like that but but I, I just I just wasn't as motivated as I was um, and I didn't know why wasn't fit for the next season and that, that rolled on to the next couple of seasons yeah um, so, you know, carrying an extra couple of kilos, um, you know, not being... I know what that's like, you know, yeah. yeah. I've done, I've done <laughs> not, not being as, as, um, as you know, fit um, with, with your, I guess, your, yeah. you know, generally fit. It's as, just not as, right, as, is it? Yeah. You're just not, you're just not right. You're not sharp. Yeah. So a, a lot of, a lot of what I prided myself on as a player, which was being sharp, being super aggressive, always on the ball type, type of player, an attacking player where I was always first to the ball. I was always being able to, to get in front of my player, be physically better than my, my yeah. player, and then being able to find myself in positions to score. I didn't have that knack anymore. So yeah. I had to change positions. I was thrown around a lot. Um, the, the club that I was at um, ended up uh, fucking me around a lot. Yeah. Um, so, so then what ended up happening is when I got to under 18s, I was promised a certain position where the next year after under 15s, I played under 18s, and they said... Next year, they said you're going to play reserves, and then all of a sudden it was from reserves. They dropped me down to the 20s, dropped me down to the 18s. Then yeah. being the local club, I thought, yeah, local club to me. Yeah, I thought, yeah, I'll go. Um, knowing the coach that they had, I'm like, he's a decent enough coach um, uh, from what I'd heard anyway. Yeah. Little did I know, obviously, when I got there, um, first couple of weeks, I realised this is not going to be, you know, easy. Um, and I, I made a decision. You know, I'm going to give it a go. I'm going to try. I'm going to make sure I actually, you know, put in. Yeah. And the two coaches that I had, um, Rick Marchiol, who's actually the the senior coach at Brunswick City now. Yeah. Um, and Peter Katsarakis, who was the assistant at the time, is now actually over in New South Wales. Um, he's coaching over there. Um, they they obviously had the chat and said, you know, you need to do this, lose weight. And I was like, yeah, okay, I'll do it. You know, I'll do it. I, I want to play for these guys because I realised how much effort they were putting in and how much. How much, um, you know, how much different this coaching so, style was. So their attitude towards the game sort of changed your attitude 100%. back towards the game. So 100%. That positive, in, that positive sort of mm. figurehead at the top of the club made yes. you change. Yes. Perfect. So, yeah, so I, I basically had, I was at this point where I said, okay, I, I'm enjoying this football again. Um, um, and, and then even better was part of the way through the season, as I was enjoying that football, I actually got asked to coach, and this was only under tens. Yeah, right. Under tens at the time, and I'm thinking, oh, a bit of you know, a bit of extra money. I'll I'll do that. It's like, like have a minimum wage yeah. a week or something, and um, and I said, yeah, I'll do that. Fantastic. Um, and I did that. Um, and as I was going, I knew I knew as a player, like I was saying to you, I was a reasonable player. But I was never going to play A League. I was never yeah. going to play Socceroos. I knew my my limitations, yeah. and I thought the absolute maximum that I could do uh, was play NPL senior football. 
at yeah, max, yeah, at yeah. maximum. Um, being at the club that I'm at, abs- maximum. And and it got to the point where at the end, towards the end of the year, we're on a reasonable season. I was off coming off the bench and doing my thing as a squad player. Um, I I said to myself, you know, you know what? I really enjoy this coaching, and and I was asked to be an MPL coach right, under 12s. Even though that I I was frustrated at myself for all these years for not feel, fulfilling my potential, things were out of my control, things that were in my control that I wasn't helping because of my you know my own little spiral falling yeah. out of love and all the different excuses I want to throw in there. But but the point is that I did fall out of love with the game. Dino, why do footballers struggle to eat sandwiches? No idea, Jono. Because they can't use their hands. Shocker. Shocker. Yeah, it's not my, not my best. Speaking of Massimo Longo, um, uh, I think it was after the World Cup um, about Daniel Arzani. And now this is a big, big, obviously, yeah. big talk about Daniel Arzani. Uh, being, you know, the next big thing in Australian football. And look, you know, Vinius Cross, touch Woody is, um, as well as a lot of other players that are coming through. Yeah. And they spoke to Maslongo and said, what makes him diff- What makes Daniel Arzani different? That he goes, oh, it's fantastic watching him train, come to training and be all, all happy and, and, and do things that, that were coached out of me as, and coached out of us yeah. as young players. So that indicates, obviously, we wanted to, you know, implement things where, no, no, don't do that. You know, and whereas Daniel Azani is going in there enjoying Which, football and doing it within an environment that that is is he's free yeah. amongst you know a system. Which it's, is, it's, it's interesting because if we have that constraints on the the way we coach, mm. that will inherently go into the player's mindset of no, I can only talk about and do this. Yes, this is how I go, and yes. that that will go to their mindset as well. So those older players potentially are less like I'm I'm only twenty nine myself, but mm. I, there's not many coaches I would have gone to with problems. Yes. You know, whereas yes. now we're getting players come through in their early 20s that because they're coached to be a little bit more free, their, yep. their speech and their way they think is probably a lot more free. So yep. I'm guessing that's something you want from your players at Brunswick mm. that, that you're, for want of a better word, in charge of. Yeah, no, 100%. So I, I think, um, like, like I was saying, from a personal perspective as a coach, what I like to do is obviously give that freedom to the players as much as much as obviously possible and yeah. allowed within a within a, a system. Well, that um, has to and be structure. Allow, yeah, allow them allow them to to have this freedom, come to training, come to games, and enjoy themselves. Yeah. Um, but of course, encourage that environment where you can yeah. speak. Um, what we do as a club um, is build the culture around the club, which Rick uh, Marchioli has done really well implementing the blue book. Um, to which is um, a, a book essentially outlining our, our methodologies and our principles and, um, as well as our culture as well as other things external to football so things that we try to do mentally and psychologically as well and, and help the players in that way but most of all if we relate it to obviously mental well-being and mental health is, is making sure that the players have an environment where they can speak to the coaches um, yep. and and also equipping the coaches with the um with, with, I guess, some, some sort of skills and making sure we have the right coaches in that allow them to speak to the players. That's a huge, that's a huge point because if your coach hasn't... If as a coach, you don't know how to handle it because you think a lot of these coaches are older. Yeah. So they've not been... They've not come in their football journey with that mindset. Yeah. So we have to kind of... If the 
it's all well and good having an idea, but we've got to make sure yeah. that the providers, the coaches, mm. know how to access that. Now, look, I, I, I agree, um, but at the same time, coaches are here for football. Um, yeah. So, so as much as we can say, um, yeah, the coaches, we'd love the coaches and the, even to an extent, club people around, yeah. um, physios, etc. Um, that we want them to be able to to talk to the players and have those skills to talk to the players. Um, and that promotes, as we said earlier on, yeah. that promotes the environment that we want. Um, that promotes the social construct of talking about mental health um, as an everyday thing, yeah. as a thing that's not so taboo as it used to be. Exactly. Um, so right. especially for young men, um, as well as obviously um, girls coming up in the game, yeah. younger girls particularly, obviously if they want to develop their their social yeah. uh, their social and emotional um, skills. The, the needs become a bit as a yeah. female coach. I'm, I mean, I'm not yeah. a female, but coaching female football, there are slight differences in that yeah. in, in the way that we handle it. But predominantly, it's we still want people to be open and free Correct. in what they're saying. Correct. Yeah, um, and and move, moving on from that, what I'd like to see um, develop not just in Brunswick, but the, the, yeah, the yeah. rest of the world, if anything, and the rest, especially Australia, so being from here, um, is the same way that we talk about coaches and go what. What do we want to get out of our coaches, um, and what do we want? What, what do we what do we want them to deliver to our players, and what do we want our physio to do? Yeah. Okay. Well, our physio is preventing injuries. Um, talk about your. Yeah. Or the the society would be doing something. Yeah, I mean, and even even if it's someone that's not so much a oh, look, it doesn't have to be a like it's a doctor per se, but uh, as a psychiatrist, but but someone that's there, um, and the same way that we. That I guess me or you are qualified to deal with a cold or flu, yep. where you say well, no, you, don't, you don't need to go to the doctor for a cold. But there's night gotta... time. There's night time courses yeah. available for adolescent counselling. Yes. I know this because my my wife actually went and did one. Yes. So like, there, there's these six week courses that clubs could maybe look at, rather than paying somebody that they help them fund these courses, yeah. and and it's something that I think I think would I agree with you. I think would make a massive difference in. Yeah. In what we can provide as a, a sporting society mm. for for players, yeah. The but, more the more that we can obviously prevent or at least help um, people like like many of us um, take the likelihood down. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and, and that that's the aim really. We we're not going to stop um, mental illness the same way we can't stop the flu and cold from spreading, but we can we can help them manage that and 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 be better. We can try and make that even one in ten. As opposed to one in four. 100%. We can try and do something like yeah. that. Really, really good insight. Thanks for that. David Beckham has previously opened up about suffering from anxiety, which stems from his battle with OCD. In 2014, he told the Sunday Times magazine that he enjoys building Lego with his kids and said the last big thing I made was the Tower Bridge. It was amazing. I think Lego sometimes helps to calm me down. Right, John, we're at that time where we play uh, This or That, or Would You Rather. Don't care what you call it. My favourite. But we're playing it. Ready? Number one, playing or coaching? Uh, Coaching, I'd say. Yeah. Coaching. Fair enough. Hot or cold? For weather? Hot or cold? Cold. Cold. Footy or football? Football. Depression or anxiety? Oof, I don't know. Um, I don't know. I, I really, I, I really miss my nails and what they look like. So maybe depression for this. Maybe one. depression. I'll swap yeah. you if that's all right. You're swapping nails for a fat gut <laughs> and a lazy attitude. A <laughs> league or EPL? 
oof. Pain, painfully so. Look, I, I love... Hey, I want the A League to I want the A League to lift, but I think the EPL for sure. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, but I, I but it, it pains me to say. I've it. said it before. It, it pains me to say, and it. I'll say it again. The A League is like watching paint dry. Ah, oh, that's all right. Maybe maybe like a a, a really intricate coloured paint from from <laughs> Bunnings Warehouse or something. Yeah, tartan paint. Yeah. <laughs> Snapchat or TikTok? Oh, Snapchat for sure. Yeah. Big one, Malta or Australia? Australia. Australia. Australia over any country in the world, yeah. <laughs> good stuff, mate. Um, thanks so much for coming down today. It's been it's been good to sit and chat. No, it's my pleasure. Absolutely my pleasure. Um, thanks for thanks for sharing your stories. I, I know like the people listening, I hope will appreciate it as well. Like it's it's always good to get another insight. So yeah, awesome, awesome. Cheers, mate. No worries. Talk soon. Thanks for tuning in today, guys. That was my chat with John O'San. The uh, Coach from Brunswick City in Melbourne. Really good to see his insight into his slight struggles with anxiety and and how he's dealt with that and used sport as a mechanism. It's always great to have these chats and just to clarify, COVID-19 is at fault because it's made us all feel upset. Don't never forget that. This is all COVID-19's fault. Don't forget to like and subscribe to the podcast and tune in next time. See you later.